0: This is The Non-Microwave Truth, a podcast that will challenge culture's truth and perspective and try to do it from a biblical standpoint. This is brought to you by Time of Grace, and it's your boy, C.L. Whiteside. And we are going to use our first world problem time today to challenge what in the world is on TV. And hopefully you can help a brother out. So my first world problem question for you today is, is there anything, is there anything on TV that is wholesome or okay to watch? Like what station? I need some help. Give me a TV show. Give me something. And when I'm talking about wholesome, I'm talking about morally, you think it would be morally acceptable by God. It's not something that's glorifying sin. It's not something that's glorifying evil. It's not celebrating or making it seem like certain sins are okay, or any sins for that matter are okay. And the reason I thought about this first world problem is because my wife loves to watch Hallmark. She loves Christmas. And if you aren't familiar, like what difference does it make? July just ended. Yeah. Hallmark has Christmas in July. And, you know, me trying to be a a great husband, I watch with her some shows on there every once in a while. And the reason I could at least appreciate Hallmark, even though it's cheesy, even though it's a force of love, even though they talk about Christmas in July, like it's so many months away, even though they talk about Christmas in July, is that Hallmark for the most part was very morally straight. But I was watching an episode with her the other day and all of a sudden they're sneaking in some stuff and I'm like, come on, man. Like you can be cheesy, you can force the love, but now even you Hallmark are sneaking in this morally corrupt stuff. And this is another reason I love to watch sports so much. But even ESPN, even Sports Center will get political at times. And when I say political, I'm not talking about them sharing a story of a, a basketball player helping out someone who's homeless, or they'll share how an athlete granted a wish for the Make a Wish Foundation. I'm talking about Every once in a while, ESPN will try to tell you and I what should and shouldn't be morally acceptable. They'll try to tell us what's right and wrong. And it's not a biblically based thing that they're saying. It's just an opinion of someone or it's the opinion of our culture right now. And I know some people will say, you don't have to put God in everything. It's just a soccer game. But my counter to that is we're okay with sin and evil getting put into everything. I mean everything. Now, this is the true definition of a first world problem because I could turn off the TV. I could just go read a book. You know what? I think I'm actually going to start YouTube in old college or NBA games like I did back in COVID. Watch Giannis drop a 50-piece. Game 6 NBA Finals. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you should go ahead and watch that one time. One of the greatest performance of NBA Finals history. But... This is our first world problem question today. Is there anything on TV that you can recommend to me? Any station, any television show that doesn't glorify sin or make that sin seem like it's okay? That is morally acceptable from a biblical standpoint. Please let me know. Instagram or Twitter. I I definitely want to hear if you have any. My handle is ChampionLife23 and this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Jesus's Worldly Experiences. And I thought this was so important. I thought this was so key to look at today because as Christians, our goal is to be as much like Jesus as possible. And looking at Jesus, he didn't just say, I love my Heavenly Father and I'm going to just stay in the church or the temple and pray all by myself number one commandment is to love god no i say that because how many people say i love god but i can do without people some are playing but some are dead serious and they live by that they live and forget about part of loving god is loving his people loving his children Now, with all that being said, Jesus had a number of experiences in this world that we want to emulate. And just to sum it up, Jesus, he kicked it. He hung out. He he was out here. And the common theme seems to be he shared the gospel and then he ate real good. Eating with sinners is a phrase that the Bible uses. It uses it in Mark chapter 2, verse 13 to 17, also in Matthew 9, verse 9 through 13, and in Luke 5, verse 27 and 32, Jesus was quoted as eating with sinners. We're going to look at Mark chapter 2, though. It says, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector booth. Jesus said to him, Follow me. And Levi, he got up, and he followed him. It then says, while especially if we as Christians are supposed to be emulating Jesus, does that mean we should just kick it with people that we know sin a whole bunch? And it's like, no, not necessarily, because if you look at it, the Pharisees were sinners as well. All of us are sinners. But the difference is the Pharisees thought that they knew everything and they thought they had it all together. They didn't think that they needed a Savior. The people that Jesus seemed to be kicking it with, they seemed to be more ignorant than anything. They just hadn't been taught. Or I should say they weren't rejecting the gospel and the good news that Jesus was giving them like the Pharisees were. Or maybe I should say they just hadn't been loved or given a chance. We don't want to write people off and be closed off. And we see how powerful food can be. So so use it. But it also could be something like a smile. It can also be showing someone respect or acknowledgement for being a human being. That can be all the difference. Just think about experiences Jesus made the most of, like speaking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and like how life changing that became for her and her community. We should be open to connecting. We shouldn't limit or put restrictions on who the Holy Spirit can use us to have experiences with. We shouldn't limit the spaces and places the Holy Spirit can use us to have an experience grocery store lines, waiting to get seated at a restaurant when you're in the barbershop or the nail salon, notice people. And it's not a rocket science equation. It's a very simple equation. Notice they're a human being and treat them like that. But that does not mean as Christians, we should go find the most evil people possible and say, I'm going to teach you about Jesus. Because some of us will get got. We will get bit by the snake. But we should take note. That Jesus invited Levi first, also known as Matthew. He, he invited him first to be taught and to be in his world before he went to his house. With Jesus, the order doesn't matter. But with us, it, it can definitely matter. It definitely will matter. The second thing that Jesus did that is just so cool and just so relatable, he used food and drink to connect. And if you notice, food and drink provide unique opportunities to fellowship, to have conversations with people. And food is one of those things that can make you appreciate or give somebody a chance that you necessarily might have got started on the wrong foot with or not even like. Oh, my goodness. Who made these greens and these cornbread? Oh, so good. Mm, Who grilled this steak? Um, this is to die for. Who made this apple pie? Who baked this pie? Oh, Harper made it. Dang, you didn't like Harper though, but the food show is good. So what you gonna do now? Good food and drink can just put a smile on your face and create an awesome experience. Now I've heard some churches get really quite creative and some would say smart by having a smorgasbord of great food before and after church. That's giving people another reason to wanna come to church and to actually stay. Cause I know I'm one of those people that Sometimes I'm trying to hit it right after church. I might even leave during the last song. But in a lot of cases, really getting to know someone and really fellowshipping, that usually takes place outside of the church. But then that's the question we got to focus on is like, how worldly should the environment be? Like in today's world, would Jesus be at the family barbecue when people are getting drunk, maybe smoking a little reefer or a cigar? Like. I don't know the exact answer to that, but I will say this, the association of who Jesus was hanging out with at times did seem to make him get a little different reputation. I didn't say different character though. I said reputation, which is the opinions of others. Now, I don't know if what they were basing it off has any legitimacy to it, or they were just being flat out haters, but Matthew 11 verses 18 and 19 is interesting and Jesus points out the fact that for John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had before him because they did not repent. Jesus mentioned John and himself in this way knowing some people had an issue with both of them. Haters were going to hate. The same applies today. Some people want to criticize just to criticize, and that's part of the evil attack that we we will face. And obviously, Jesus knew that he and John had to face. Some people wouldn't be pleased with either John or Jesus' calling and what they were assigned and appointed to do, no matter what. And in this episode of Jesus' worldly experience, We can expect to share in people hating what's actually true and what's actually right. There are literally people out there who just make stuff up and criticize. We can fall prey to these microwave truths, too. And I want to give you an example. The other day I'm in a group chat. A video gets dropped. I click on the video and it's a dude talking about how the richest people in the world get together and pretty much are trying to mastermind a plan to keep the world's population in control so i guess it would be like we would never outsource the things that we have and they could still stay rich and it's like whatever the alarming thing was that the dude in the video was basing it off this other video so i watched the quick clip that he used and it's alarming what the person says the person says this By 2023, we want to reduce the number of people by 50% in the world. Today, the dream is becoming a reality. Now, the person whose video this is, he's critiquing the person with the 50% quote. He points out how people got to clapping, And then he blamed the World Economic Forum, which he said is a bunch of rich people determining your life and my life. And he's like, people are literally planning to end the world. Now, I don't know what his agenda was in creating this video or trying to point this out. I really don't know. But man, I did a quick little search. I find the whole video, not a clip. And then I read it. I mean, I listen to it. And it says by this is what the man actually said. He says by 2023, we want to reduce the number of people who can't afford our medicine by 50% in the world. Today, the dream is becoming a reality, man, that edit was ridiculously clean like I went and watched the clip again and I couldn't even notice it 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 was absolutely amazing I say all of this to say John got called a demon Jesus got called a drunk and a glutton so what should you and I expect to be called by some when we uphold the truths of God and spread his word what are we going to be called I also say this to encourage you in your world experiences to not just hop on the bandwagons and have people bully you into giving an answer. When something happens or doesn't happen, it's okay to say, I don't know, or, you know, I I would like to get more information on this before I give my opinion. Now, getting back to the end of that passage I read where it says, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Denounce meaning, you know, publicly say that you're wrong and I'm not messing with you. When people aren't repentant, a.k.a. they aren't changing, that's a note for us to take. We got to keep it moving. Now, the doing it in public part, that depends on our position, and that depends on if we're trying to start a war or we're really about pushing God's truth. And just thinking about Jesus's worldly experience at Mary and Martha's home, or Jesus kicking it on a boat, or the wedding at Cana where they ran out of wine. In these worldly settings, Jesus brings glory to the heavenly father by, drumroll please, loving people. So what we have seen on how we should move as Christians based off how Jesus moved is, first thing is, we need to kick it, we need to hang out, and we need to connect. Jesus used food and drink to connect, to love, and to build relationships. We can follow the same plan and we can add hobbies in there and we can add the fact that sometimes we just need to slow down and listen, slow down and listen. That's a great way to connect. What we also see from Jesus is loving God first and foremost. A lot of times just means slowing down and asking God, what do you want me to do in this situation? What do you want me to see? Where do you want my focus to be? And we have to know if our focus is on gaining prestige, if it's in gaining status, if it's in gaining honor and comfort in this world, we are putting on the line the prestige, the status, the honor and the comfort of heaven. Like we don't want to rob ourselves of the experience in the greatest sense, which is our spiritual sense. And then with our worldly experiences, we have to be aware of what is being portrayed. This passage I'm about to read, it puts all three of these things together. It comes from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 through 33. Now, in the previous verses, it was talking about eating meat that was offered to to idols. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. And it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be served. Now for us personally, where you and I kick it, where we hang out and connect, that matters. We don't really have meat and food being sacrificed to false gods or idols, but something for us might be that the food came from a place where the owners are janky. And when I say janky, I mean like causing warranted offense. And I'm not talking about offense like they play the Chicago Bear games here type of fence. I'm talking about offense that is the result of them supporting or pushing ungodly agendas. If starts to prick you, then you need to bounce or change the scenery. And something that we definitely can learn from Jesus and his experiences in, these wor- in this world is that Jesus didn't get enamored by stuff in this world. We definitely do. We are so materialistic. We are so consumed with status. We're so captivated by building up greatness in this life, trying to make this life comfortable that we fall in love with this world. And as Christians, we have to know where we stand and we have to stand strong, stand strong on not loving this world. First John 2 verse 15 clearly tells us that it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, when it's talking about world, it's talking about the secular world, the anti-Jesus world, the material things of this world. It says, if anyone loves the world, love for the father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world, the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Life is all about relationships. The reason we should be embracing and looking to create experiences on this world is because we see from Jesus experiences are there to connect, to show love, to share the gospel, to reveal God's truth, to shine light upon people, to be an extension of God's grace and God's mercy. That was the purpose of Jesus's worldly experiences. And this is the non-microwave truth. Episode 67 is in the books. I'm glad you took the time out to listen today because there are a lot of different things you could be doing, but you chose to listen to the non microwave truth. And I never ever take that for granted. So thank you. And I have a nice little challenge for you. I got this from my pastor who literally was just talking about this in his sermon. And it was, how about the challenges is, just, how about you invite someone out for coffee? If you don't do coffee, how about tea? If you don't like that, how about a beer? If you can drink, if you're not 21, don't invite them out for a beer or wine, but you get the message. Invite someone out for maybe a drink or a burger or a brat and just connect. And if you're really feeling bold, invite them to your career, invite them to your house for lunch or for dinner. And I'm not talking about like your BFF. I'm talking about someone you have not done this with before. Or how about you don't weasel your way out of an invitation like you usually do and just see how God blesses it. I dare you. I double dog dare you. But all right, I need to get out of here. Peace punch, your Crunch. They know the drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.